Am I healthy? Uh, we believe that God's design is for us to be healthy. Um, I, I don't think that's something that man has made and created and said, man, it'd be nice if we could, if we could get this thing right that God created. Uh, we genuinely believe that according to the word of God, that God's design for us is to be healthy, not just physically, not just mentally, not just emotionally, not just relationally, spiritually, like to be healthy in all of those departments. This is not um, foreign concept to our world anymore. You know, in the past, some of those topics would have almost been um, um, not talkable. But what's amazing is right now in the world that we live in, spiritual health is something that a lot of people are talking about. Not everyone's talking about the same path to get there, but spiritual health is something that's on the forefront in the world that we live in. I think it's important to be aware of this. There are going to be some things that I say today that for some people, it's like, why are we even talking about this? Like, what does this even matter? This isn't the Bible. Why are we talking about this? Um, but I, I will say this, as a church, we are, you know, Pastor Jordan was talking the other day and we were talking about vision. And he said, vision is responding to the culture around you right now. And I think sometimes we build up the thought that vision has to be so forward thinking, so 20 years down the road, like where am I getting my five-year plan, 10-year plan, 20-year plan, that we might miss what's right in front of us. Today's message is one that is addressing some things that are right in front of us. I will say, if you're a little bit older in this room, it might seem a little bit um, not important. I will also say this, that if you're not a little bit older and you're in this room, um, this is a very important message. We, we anonymously surveyed the students at Northwood Church uh, and part of our Northwood student ministry um, last year. And we asked them, what do you want to hear about? Like, what are the topics that you want to hear about? And we got like 75, maybe 80 responses from students. And 30% of them were in this category. And it was around the thought of religion. It was around spirituality. It was around, like, how, the big question was, do all roads lead to the same place? Like, this person's God, this person's God, or this route to spiritual health. You're thinking, man, that's a deep question. That's not what I was thinking about when I was that age. Well, the truth is, that's the questions that are being thought about right now. So this really applies to every single person, but I think it's an important message that we have. Spiritual health is becoming trendy, and that's weird to say. Like, like it's something that People are talking about in a whole lot of ways, but like I said, with not all paths leading the same direction, that can be very dangerous. Because some of these paths lead to actual health, and some of these paths, according to the word of God, lead to destruction. There's a tension when we talk about these types of things that wasn't present inside of the church about 15 to 20 years ago. The tension is this. When I just said that there's a a true health, and there's a counterfeit health. There's this thing that rises up inside of some of us that says, that's harsh to say. That's not, well, that's not, it's not that it's not nice, but man, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. According to the Bible, that is not true. 
I've done this in the past, and it kind of was a light bulb effect for some of us. Sorry, not that. <laughs> that was a light bulb for some of you also. But just out of curiosity, by show of hands, and we need participation, how many of you are cold in this room right now? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are hot in this room? Some of you, okay. How many of you, it's like the three little pigs, it's just right? Okay. Well, majority one, but you're going to ruin the example. Hold on. <laughs> All of you are right. Your truth is your truth. Relative truth. Um, hey, I don't know exactly what your name is. We might be in a text conversation. Can you look at that thermostat right there and tell me what the temperature says? Oh. <laughs> 66. That's truth. Whether you're hot or cold, or just right, that's absolute truth. The Bible is absolute truth. Whether we agree with it, whether we feel it, whether we like it, it's truth. If you wouldn't mind, knock that up. Somebody knock it up just one degree. Cool. Anyway, <laughs> today we're going to talk about absolute truth, but oftentimes to identify truth, you have to talk about something that might be deceptive. What is counterfeit spiritual health? According to the word of God, it's, it's a spiritual approach to health from a source outside of God. Counterfeit truth. Although I don't have a lot of dealings with counterfeit money, I do know that counterfeit money is a reality as long as it's in circulation. It works Although it's not true, it leads, it gets the same results as something that is true, but counterfeit eventually does not stand the test of time. It eventually runs out, it's eventually exposed, and what's, I feel like my responsibility today and our team's responsibility today is to almost warn. That's one of my jobs as a pastor is to warn, is to teach, is to admonish, and is to say, hey guys, there are counterfeit spiritual healths out there and approaches to spiritual health that for a time might work. They might, they might make you feel good. They might get some of the results, but it will not stand the test of time, even if it takes you all the way to your end of life because we believe that there is more to life than just this present life. Counterfeit spiritual health is everywhere and all around us. And there are attempts to it, and it comes out in a variety of ways, but you start to hear words. Some of the counterfeits out there come out in words like vibes, come out in like the energy that I'm getting from you. Counterfeit spiritual health comes out in like karma. Counterfeit spiritual health is eerily close to the truth, but if it wasn't, then it wouldn't be effective. I believe that these other approaches are actually a plan of the enemy. So we have to talk about these types of things, and I start to wonder, well, well, I'm not, I'm not really into that type of stuff, but again, as a pastor, I have to watch, and part of my job, one of our values as a church is that we're called to steward, and I'm supposed to steward my influence with you, so Though a lot of ways that you can tell or see what we're ingesting on is what we're outputting. 
This, is, this isn't a direct shot at anyone because I don't believe I've seen anything like this from you. But the reality is, is that the output from many people that subscribe to Christian faith is a lot of different influences. And it comes out in things like what we just said. It comes out through other people that are on different journeys. Because it's so close to truth, there's a spiritual enlightened person named Deepak Chopra that said this, and you'll see it on the screens with me, but it says this. Every time you are tempted to react in the same old way, ask if you want to be a prisoner of the past or a pioneer of the future. Sounds good. Actually, I think I agree with it. Wow. That's just like the Bible. So what we do is we read something that someone else has shared or we, we consume somehow, some way, and we say, you know what? That makes sense. It feels good. It, like, it almost checks this box in my heart. So I like that. I'm going to share it, but also I like this, this person, so I'm going to start to ingest this person. And one thing I am absolutely convinced of is what you consume is what comes out of you. It, it indoctrinates you, what you are constantly feeding on. And then you run across other quotes by the same person in the same book that say things like this. You must find the place inside yourself where nothing is impossible. And if we can all be honest, that makes me feel really good. Imagine if inside of every single one of us there was an infinite amount of possibility. Like nothing is impossible. You can't be stopped. You in and of yourself are everything that you would ever need. And all of a sudden I'm confronted with truth. Because if I subscribe to that, I am not agreeing with the word of God that says that we've actually got a huge problem. Counterfeit truth borrows from the real truth. It comes out in a lot of different ways. The words, the phrases that it's being attached to, like the actual thought processes are things like humanism. Humanism is simply man is the central figure of humanity. As Christians, we believe that God is the central figure of humanity. We exist to glorify God, our creator. It comes out in mysticism comes out in universalism. Universalism is the thing where all paths lead to the same. Like this guy, this guy, okay. Jesus, Buddha, Mohammed, uh, crystals, self, whatever. Whatever's your God is going to eventually get you to the same spot. That is a defining characteristic of Christianity that Jesus says, I am the way. The being singular. I'm not a way. I am the way, the truth, the life. He says it right there. I am the truth. So we see that there are counterfeit truths. And in the Bible, I'm rearranging these notes just so you know, Sherry. First John 4. That's where I'm going, just so you know. In the Bible, John is writing a letter to his church, to a group of churches actually, and he's writing this letter to this group of churches specifically about false teachers, because some people are coming in and teaching the church, teaching Christ followers, and they're saying a lot of things that are right, 
but they're saying something that is very wrong, and they're saying, hey, the ascension of Jesus, him going to heaven, that's wrong. That's not true. Don't believe it. So John's writing a letter of correction to these people, this group of churches in 1 John 4, and he says this, beloved, he's talking to his church, he's saying, guys, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. He says, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess, Jesus is not from God. This, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. He says in verse 4, little children, you are from God and, we have, o- and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John Literally, said, we're, we're saying, oh, this is fresh revelatory information I'm bringing right now. No, John is saying right there, hey, there's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error. And we need to figure this thing out. Thankfully, the Bible solves a lot of problems that we create in our own minds. Because in John chapter 14, it says this. I will ask the Father, this is Jesus. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about when he ascends, that the Holy Spirit was going to become present and was going to minister and lead the church. And he was going to be the spirit of truth. Understand the way the enemy subtly sneaks in, by the way. Isn't it amazing that the false teachers were agreeing with everything except one thing, the ascension of Christ, and the key statement that John makes right here, the key component of the Holy Spirit becoming present was that Jesus would have to ascend into heaven. This is what deconstruction does. It destabilizes the train of thought. And when all of a sudden one brick is out of a place, it it shakes up the foundation. This is why John is pleading with the church, hold on to the truth. Jesus ascended because when Jesus ascended, the spirit of truth descended. And now it changes everything. It says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. When Jesus ascended, believers, followers of Jesus that that knew and believed that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, The Holy Spirit indwells within them and dwells within us if you are a follower of Christ. So I say this as a definitive statement. True spiritual health comes from the Spirit of God and from the truth of the Word of God. That's where it comes from. The spirit of Satan is deceptive, it's counterfeit, and a good counterfeit, I will say. We not only see that the Spirit of God is truth, but we see the Spirit of God actually being the actual, like, substance in our life. It's what gives us life. It's not just truthful. It's the source of life. In Numbers chapter 27, it says this about God. It says, the God of spirits of all the flesh. So he is God 
over anything that has a spirit within them. He is the God. He is in supreme over all of it, over all of those people. But then in the book of Job, there's a man named Eliyahu, and he says this. He says, the spirit of God has made me. It's made me. It's literally the creation that I am. The spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. For just a minute, everybody with me, it's a, it's a group exercise. Take one big deep breath. You can let it out, sorry. Should have said that. As a Christian, we believe that that breath that we just took was a borrowed breath from the creator. It's a gift. It's a gift from him. And when you realize that you were created by God, it begins to give you purpose for why you even exist, which is the second question, by the way, that Northwood students ask, why am I actually alive? What's the purpose of life? You see, in the scripture, when we know that we have been given breath by God, we were created by God and given breath by God, we were given that for a purpose, and our purpose is to worship him. It's to glorify him. Every one of our breaths are to be returned back to him. And we're thinking, man, that's a tall task. And I'm just trying to breathe. Like, I'm not trying to do all that kind of stuff. I know, in what, but this is a, 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 a construct, a spiritual construct that we have to grasp. Because then it leads us to a question, if my life is supposed to be so godly, and I'm on borrowed breath from the creator of all things, a logical question would be, well, why is my life so tough? Why is there so many tough things in life? Why, why don't I, if an infinite God has given me life, why, why am I going to even experience death? Logical question. Some of you are like, I never thought about that. That's, that's giving me doubt. Thank you. It's because God in his loving kindness, gave us all what we call a free will. And a free will means we can do whatever we want with the breath that he's given us. Yes, we can glorify him and we can worship him. But yes, we can worship something else. Yes, we can glorify ourselves. Yes, we can live a life that exists to make ourselves known instead of him known free will. The purest form of worship, which is what we've been, you know, our, our call is to worship God. The purest form of worship is one that's freely given. It's like, it's like when you force somebody to do something for you, it's like, oh, when it just happens out of the goodness of their heart, it's so much more pure. And God knew that the only way that pure worship could come to him was to give mankind free will. Maybe that's why he's God and we're not, because we couldn't make that call. Man chose to use free will and go with their own will that led to destruction, that led to death. This is the story in Genesis where man is in the garden and he falls. He makes a bad decision. He goes his own way instead of the spiritual way. And when we walk away from the source of life, Y'all, realize when you disconnect from your source of life, it says that sin was the great disconnect between us and God. 
if you disconnect yourself from the thing that gives you life, you're going to experience lack of health. So we've been on this tailspin as a creation of bad health spiritually. This wasn't God's best for us. It wasn't his plan for us. So instantly when mankind disconnects from God, God instills a plan that says, I'm going to restore life to them. And it was in a lot of different ways in the Old Testament, but the plan was always that he would send his son, Jesus, who is later in the Bible known as the way, the truth, and the life. And anyone who connects themselves to the life will experience life. That's why the scriptures tell us that apart from Christ, we're dead. Yeah, we're physically alive, we're emotionally and mentally alive, but spiritually we are lifeless because we are disconnected from the very breath of life. So God restores life by sending his son, and it says that anyone who believes in the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, they will experience life. The first key to being spiritually healthy, before you get on the, the movement of health down the road, you have to become alive. This is the first step to being spiritually healthy. We see it actually in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins, lifeless. You go look up that word in Greek, by the way, dead, it means dead, lifeless, Nothing, no life, no oxygen. It's not living. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, in which you were once led, in which was once your source of life, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. Verse 3 says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I love the first two words of verse four. That's where we all were. We were all messed up. We were all dead. And if you're dead, there's nothing you can do about it. First two words of verse four says this, but God. And that changes everything. Somebody intersects the lifeless steps in for that which that cannot step in for himself. But God being rich in mercy, remember all those words, so faithful, so great, so loving, so rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. The only way that we can be alive is with Christ and then the subtle reminder, by grace, you've been saved. You didn't do this. The first step to spiritual health is being spiritually alive. Surrendering your life to that. That it isn't your own works, your own effort. Nothing that you've done, you were dead. But God. And it's saying, I believe that. I'm going to run that route. I'm going to build my life on that spiritual truth. The second point is this. The second step into spiritual health or pursuing spiritual health or growing in spiritual health is this. Am I walking by the Spirit? 
instantly that sounds mystical. It's like, how am I walking by the Spirit? What does that even mean? And to a physical mind, it is mystical. It's, it's uncomprehendable. But knowing that there is a spiritual reality to this, am I walking by the Spirit? And instead of letting this complicate us and letting our own mind define what this is, what this means, let's let the Word of God tell us what walking by the Spirit is. Paul writes in Galatians, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Okay, how do you do that, Paul? He says, when you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's painting this picture of spirit and flesh. And when I gratify the desires of flesh, like the things that I want to do that feel good, that whatever that might be, I'm going to follow the desires of my flesh. I'm being led by a counterfeit. By the way, you are a counterfeit too in and of yourself. Be encouraged with that. Like, if you go your own way, just what you feel by your emotions, feelings, or, or thought process, that's a counterfeit as well. The only truth, the only truth is the word of God. And he says, walk by that. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things that you want to do. So, we have to ask ourselves, again, we're just going on, a, on an intellectual path right now, a logical approach to this thing. How do I know if I'm walking by the Spirit? I don't know what the Spirit and what the flesh are. I don't know if it's my mind or the Spirit or what it is. You can judge what Spirit you're being led by by the fruit on the tree of your life. Which just four verses later, Paul begins to talk about what walking by the Spirit, the fruit that's going to be present in a life that's walking by the Spirit. And he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. He didn't say love and then in quotations or parentheses, loving people that you want to love just says love. It's a broad term, love for humanity, love for people that are different than you, love for the unlovable, love for your enemies, love for those that have hurt you, love for those that have persecuted you, love for those who fill in the blank, love. Fruit of the Spirit is love, so you might have to ask yourself, or maybe let the Lord examine your heart right now, is love a fruit on the tree of my life? Joy. Not happiness. Happiness is presented and produced at Disney World. Like, you can be happy and not be joyful. You can be joyful and not happy. And I think that's, that's something that we can all grow in. That there's a deep-seated joy deep in our soul even when things around us are not happy-clappy. Life is tough. Sometimes life hurts. But according to this, if we walk by the Spirit Joy can still be somewhere deep within our soul. Joy is that thing that will just continue to sustain you. Joy. Again, you're just asking, allowing God to examine your heart. Peace. Peace. We used to sing a song that said, Peace when trouble blows. Jehovah sees, Jehovah knows. Peace means even if I can't control the outcome, 
I'm still okay with it because you're still in control. Peace. Patience. <laughs> Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Wow. We live in a culture now that says when things get tough, abandon ship. Fruit of the Spirit says hang on. Faithfulness. These are just opportunities for the Lord to examine the fruit. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Am I walking by the Spirit? Look at the fruit of your life and you can find out. The only way I know to be led by the Spirit is to be transformed by the Word of God. I think there was this hopeful thought, especially early on in my Christian life, where I wanted to be led by the Spirit so God that I neglected inputting the Word of God, and I was like, in, like trying to just, God, lead me, lead me. And I think he was saying, hey, the Word. I'll lead you, just get in the Word. People that are much smarter than me, and most of you, I'm not coming after all of you, but much smarter, um, study the brain for a long time. And they've come to the decision that all of us have neurological pathways in our brains built from the way that we've lived for any amount of time. And the longer that you've lived a certain way and done certain things, the deeper the neurological pathways are. I was talking to a friend after service, and he said he made the conscious decision um, to abandon church and faith for 10 years. And he said, I'm just learning now that there's a lot of things that I did and learned and practiced in those 10 years that have just created a train of thought and a way to just approach people and think about people. And the only way that you can change those neurological pathways is to think differently. But what happens when you're so deep in a rut and so much in a certain groove <laughs> that you ain't getting out in and of yourself? You need an outside source to help you out. This is where last week and even two weeks ago we had Dr. Andy come in and speak from a Christian psychiatrist perspective, which I believe there's a time and a place for that. But I believe that the Word of God can do a deep spiritual work and a neurological pathway work in and of itself. You just have to do it. You've got to run the play, you got to run it through your brain. Some of us, again, 10-year neurological pathways. Are you committed to 10 years of biblical work? I'm saying Christianity is work. It's not cookie cutter. It's not easy. It's not always smooth sailings. It's going to take you putting in work. Romans 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual work, worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the spirit of counterfeit. Don't be conformed to this. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Change the way you think, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. My prayer is that this year would be a deep year of growth in an, in our lives spiritually, growing in Christ, that the word of God would begin to transform the way that we think. When we are confronted with 
Here's how you can tell if you are being transformed by the word. When you read something and something inside of you says, hey, hold on. That, that, that quote that we shared a minute ago, in and of yourself. And something pops up that says, hey, something's off, something's off. And when that something that's off says, hey, that doesn't agree with the word of God, you know that your mind is being transformed. What does that take? Entering the transformation process, subscribing to Bible plans, reading the word of God, but more importantly, letting the word of God read you. And then when the word of God confronts you and says stop or start or hey, course correct, you responding to the word of God instead of to the works of your flesh. Transformed by the renewal of the word. And then the last point is this. It's basically what we just said. Am I able to discern what's true or not? Because guys, the counterfeit is going to come across your desk. You can't avoid it any longer. You can't present, you can't put yourself in enough of a bubble to avoid the counterfeit. Families, families with kids, you can't put your kid in a big enough bubble to avoid the counterfeit coming across their desk. You got to teach them. And the only way I know that you can teach them is for you to teach yourself. Educate yourself. Lead your kids through it. Then you can apply the Proverbs that says, train up a child in the ways of the Lord in their old age. They won't depart from it. That's Andrew. Andrew moved back here six months ago. Andrew's a church kid. Um, I think one of the greatest things kids can experience is growing up in the church, but I also think one of the most dangerous things kids can experience is growing up in the church. I know oxymoron, but it's, it keeps you engaged. We're getting close to the end. The reason I say that is because growing up in church as a kid, you can, you can ride on the coattails of your parents' faith for a really long time to where your truth isn't ever really tested. But there comes a moment when the coattails of the parents gone and you have to decide which route you're going to run. The truth that I grew up on, the truth that became truth to me, or whatever other path. Parents, one of the most difficult things you're going to do is give a lifetime of work to training up a child in the ways of the Lord and then letting them determine the way that they're going to go. I can only speak experientially up to the age of 15. I couldn't remember how old my kid was. But I can speak from being a kid. Three kids grew up in the same house. Three kids ran very different paths. I can speak to this. Eventually, all three kids surrendered their life to Jesus. I can say this, all three kids love God, they're growing in Christ, they're doing the best that they can, they're in different spots in the nation, some are close, some are far, but you have to get, parents, you cannot have faith just so your kids will, because that's fake faith, and what I mean by that is so many of you are 
trying to pursue God so that your kids will. And that's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. And your kids won't choose that truth. But an authentic faith, not a perfect faith, please, please understand, not a perfect faith, but an authentic faith will be the one that reveals truth eventually for you, for the next generation, and for the generations to come. So I guess what I'm asking you today is, do you have an authentic faith? Would you guys bow your heads with me for just a minute? First question, are you spiritually alive? This isn't about the person to the left or to the right. This is about you and your God. Are you following God? Have you surrendered your life because you believe deep in your soul that it is the truth? Or is it for a variety of reasons? What salvation is, it's going all in pushing all the chips into the middle of the pot and saying, I believe this much in this. If you haven't had that moment where you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you think, man, I just kind of don't even feel alive spiritually, today's the day that you surrender and you become alive in Christ through his work, not through your own deeds or efforts. If that's you in this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to do one thing, and this is actually more for you than anything else, but this is a signifier for you. If that's you in this room, you say, that's me. I'm choosing today to become spiritually alive with this free will that God's given me. I just want you to look up at me and lift your hand, something like that, connect with me. Thank you so much. Anybody else say, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Come on, this is, this is a good moment. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's never too late. Never too late. It's never too late. What I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer. And you just agree in your heart with this prayer, this truth. And the truth will set you free from the curse of sin. Father, God in heaven, I'm separated from you. I'm, I'm lifeless in my spirit according to the scriptures. But right now, something's coming alive. And it's not by my own effort. It's something deep in my soul as my spirit is coming alive. Right now, I know Jesus is real. All the claims of Jesus are true. And I'm choosing to sink my life into that truth. Everything that I am, I surrender to Jesus and the cross. And I choose to live the rest of my life following the spirit of truth. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Everybody keep your head bowed for just a minute because I want everybody to have an opportunity to respond. If God's been working on you or speaking to you today about walking by the Spirit and you've been walking by the flesh, you just take a moment right now to say, God, I, I hear you. I'm responding to you. This is, I'm choosing today to follow the Spirit of the truth, making some decisions. Whatever that is, I'm choosing today. Maybe you're making other decisions like you just have not been transformed by the Word. You've been listening to 
to everything else, but the word is just dry. I'm telling you this, it's not dry. You might have been lifeless. But today with life, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal truth to you through the word of God. And you're making the decision today to respond to what the word of God speaks to you, to follow that spirit. God, I pray that we would have a spirit of discernment on our lives. God, that you would help us to see the counterfeit, to lead through the counterfeit, and to be a people that have authentic, true faith. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.